0: just don't just make sure you're not defaulting to comfort Mm -hmm. because we can both rest on our laurels and build a theology around that, which makes us comfortable. But I don't want to build a theology around that, which makes me comfortable. I want to build a theology around that, which is true.
1: And welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, I am your host for today's show, Aaron Richards, and uh, this is my friend, brother in Christ, Mr. Brad Peerin. Welcome, Brad.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Good we got, to see you. We've got ya.
1: a very special show, to quote Brad, from our yeah, last, last, last show. And when, uh, to
0: quote you, it's because Dan's it's not because here. Dan is unfortunately absent.
1: <laughs> it's okay. There will come a time when Brad or myself are missing and Dan will be yeah, here. The
0: whole band will be back
1: together, Coming, Coming back in, fulfilling that. That that spot. And uh hey, today, if this is the first time you've you've joined the show, yes, we are we are missing, sadly, our brother uh Dan Demite. But we are here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio here at Damascus, where we are working every day to awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith. And uh, why Damascus? Because St. Paul, when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was brought from a um from a life, from a place of encounter into a place of extraordinary mission. Um, Ultimately, as you know, uh, really laying the seeds and the groundwork for what would become the church that we know today. So you too, we too, in our encounter with Jesus, uh, our encounter is not complete outside of mission. And mission is not possible outside of the context of encounter with Jesus. And uh, that's really what every show is about here at Beyond Damascus. But in a special way, as we've been prepping for the show today, that's what that's what today's show is about. Every once in a while, we have the opportunity here on the show to uh, have a little one-on-one uh, time, and on our yeah, our previous episode, uh, I had the great opportunity to share about kind of my heart surrounding the life of Saint Joseph, and today, uh, Brad's going to repay the favor in really kind of sharing what's been on on his heart, what's been on your heart, as. Yeah. Uh, we've been diving into that continuing conversation, uh, that evolving conversation about encounter and mission, and uh, and it's good. I, I made a similar comment at the start of the last show that this is a story that's that's going to be developing over time, right? Yeah, definitely. You can't hear the encounter and mission message once and call it finished, uh, because it's something that 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 has to be. Lived out and developed and matured in each of our lives, and uh, Brad, I know I see that in you every day. Yeah. And it seems like every every message you preach on this topic is is a little more articulate and nuanced and better mm-hmm. developed than the one that that preceded it. So I'm excited to hear where your heart's been.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's a product of just spending time with uh, your own story. You know, when I think about my life with the Lord, it's been one of kind of pendulum swings, you know, where I'll, I'll be really convinced by something and then it'll kind of swing to the other side and be like, whoa, I totally missed that. And then it will yep. land somewhere in the middle, you know? And I think uh, the path of encounter and mission has been very um, similar to that for me. And I think the, the church speaks it so well out of Vatican II when they say that there's, there's two universal calls and we can find this in Lumen Gentium, that, that the church is called to holiness and the church is called to mission that it exists for these two reasons that the church would be holy set apart yeah. both in its entirety but also you and me as part of the church that we would be holy and that the church again as a whole would be on mission but also that you and I would be on mission since we're yeah. the ones that make up the church and i i think the the premise that i want to start with before i kind of launch into where my heart has been is the lord the lord desires oneness and he desires wholeness. And if we can agree to that, right, that Jesus in his high priestly prayer in the garden of uh, Gethsemane, when he's um, speaking to his father, he says, father, that they would be one as you and I are one, mm-hmm. right? That he wants us to be one and that, and that he wants us to be whole that he wants us to be integrated. He doesn't want us to be um, split. And, and, and we can see that um, we can see that oneness and wholeness have uh, an aspect to it that we know is right, right? Because yeah. when we see the church not one, when we see the church not whole, yeah. we look at it and we say, that's not how it should be, yeah. right? And if we have that um, response, then we can, I yeah. think, agree to that first premise.
1: It, it's it's sort of a, a Catholic, um, I don't know, a, a Catholic truism, where we've got this this phrase of of both and yeah, in, right. in theological expression. And I think what you're kind of getting toward that, right? Mm-hmm. And I know uh it actually that that phrase was illuminated for me. And I know that both of us actually were we were together when we heard this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh Mark Sharona, who's a a, yeah. a great gospel preacher, right? Mm-hmm. He uh he presented this this uh proposal that um when you experience tension mm-hmm. in the study of theology or in the experience of the church yeah that that's usually where you're finding truth yeah right that's right that that if you know the both and, right let's let's take an easy one mm-hmm. like the an easy one the, the human and divine nature of jesus yeah, the hypostatic <laughs> union <Right? laughs> uh, very, very simple very simple <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i think on any given day most of us today wouldn't argue that no yeah Jesus is totally not defined, right? Right, right. Um, but bo- mm-hmm. most of us today would understand or would, would accept, accept that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the other ones are, are a little more difficult. So when we talk about the hypostatic union, it's, it's comfortable for us mm-hmm. to sit in a place of tension, realizing that, right. yes, I know that mm-hmm. when I say these words, mm-hmm. that, it, that the hairs on the back of your, your neck might, might yeah. go up a little bit and that's okay because I'm because I'm quite confident that that right in the middle is where we need to land, yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. And I, I think that that that's why it's so important to have the initial premise. That's why it's okay. important to say that the Lord wants us to be one and He wants us to be whole. because when we when we agree to that, then what we see is, okay, if we're finding two tendencies then, yep, then we need to figure out how these tendencies work in tandem if they're right, mm-hmm. right. And I I see this all the time in our missionaries that come here, right. Even and
1: especially when they're contradict they seem they seemingly contradict. One yes, another. exactly. Yeah.
0: Right, like like, and, and we hear it, and when we're in formation, right, healing and suffering, right. Like you'll you'll hear it in all these contexts, and, yeah. and we'll, we'll hear it in um a, a more um charismatic um spirit led dimension yeah. of the faith, and a more traditional um and I I would say um, like structured form Mm -hmm. of the faith, right? Like you, you'll you'll have people that have these different tendencies and they can seem if we just look at it on the surface to be competing, but they're actually not. And that's, what's brilliant is that, yeah, we'll use the hypostatic union. So Jesus is Mm -hmm. one person with two natures, right? We are one church and in the area of holiness and mission, which is really where I want to get to in our conversation today with with two calls. Yeah. And those calls, like it can seem to us that, like, okay, well, if I'm gonna go all into holiness, I need to read about the lives of the saints, stop my nine to five job, completely allow myself to just invest in family and just invest in intellectual resource and time for contemplation. Yeah. But of course, that's that's not what God calls the vast majority of us <laughs> to, right? And even in the case where he would call us to that, there's a missional aspect, but we can get to that. We won't define the whole thing by the exceptions. Um, and then on the other side, right. If you're like, I want to be a missionary with my life, it can be like, okay, I need to go to Africa and I need to start like speaking all these things and, and the sacraments, I'll get back to those, you know, yep. personal prayer. I'll get back to that. Everybody needs to know. And it's like, um, yes, but, but without this, that is insufficient. Hmm. And, and I, I have, um, honestly, had a a heart that has been seeking, I think, unity since the very beginning of my conversion. And I see it coming alive in this season of the church where I am starting to see us somewhat find ourselves in tribes, where it's I'm in this tribe of the church and I'm in this tribe of the church. And I'm like, no, I I just want to be baptized. I want to be universal. I want to be one holy Catholic and apostolic because I think that's what we're called to. And I think holiness and mission start us on the pathway of getting there.
1: Where do you where do you think that you started to feel a passion toward uh, unity? Yeah, that's oneness, a, I, and how how was that expressed?
0: Well, I, I I usually go back to I think it had to do with my upbringing, which was really unique. So I'm from Southern Ohio, and um, I'm from the start of the Bible Belt, but I grew up Catholic. So there's one area <laughs> of of kind of like tension, if we can call it that. And then in addition to that, I'm from Appalachia, which has um has families that are more affluent and families that are um, less affluent. And my family, interestingly enough, my mom and dad had very different upbringings, especially when it came to affluence. And so I had this kind of in-between state of life growing up where I was always trying to find the the glue mm-hmm. and the connecting points between these things that seem disparate on the surface. It seems like this this middle-class family and this more impoverished family have more different than they have the same, but it's actually the exact opposite, right? It seems like this um, Bible Belt Protestantism and this Catholicism that I'm being raised in have so, so much different and very little the same, which was the exact opposite. Now, again, it doesn't mean that those things that are different shouldn't be discussed. It just, for me, it was always this um, adventure of discovering the mesh points, because that's when I felt like I was most alive. And and it's funny because I even think as I've been doing work in understanding uh, (laughs) just my own concept of my identity from a young age, that was the identity that I kind of took on for good and for bad, but I'm going to bring things together. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring people together. I'm going to bring concepts together. I'm going to bring these things together. And so I think upon conversion, the Lord was just like, let's reorient that. And bring that passion into what I have for you. And so, from the very beginning, in in uh, in college, I remember um, serving at the Newman Center, where there was um there there was a just kind of a a group of people at the Newman Center that really were passionate about social justice and really believed in in serving the poor and really believed in the in uh, the integral um part the church was supposed to play in the dignity of those less fortunate than us. Yep. And then it also had this um, uh, kind of uh, group of people that were very, very um, passionate about reverence towards the Eucharistic Lord, that the Lord would be reverenced in the gift that he's given us in his presence. And, and what was so funny to me is at the best, right, at both of these um, uh, group of people's best, their heart, I thought was right yeah but but they they would almost begin to um delve so deeply into what they were passionate about that they felt like the other side was a rival of what they were trying to do, uh-huh. and to me, I was like, there's clearly something wrong there, right, yeah. and so from a from that very beginning, I'm like, okay, how do we bring this together? Can you tell me what what you're talking about when you say that the lord um deserves to be reverenced in this way because I don't understand it and trying to gather that heart and tell me what you mean when you say the church, uh, doesn't allow for pride of place for the poor, like it should. Mm -hmm. Right. And so all of a sudden my, my mind was beginning to see, like, it seems like the church is supposed to do both of these things. And I've brought this quote up on, uh, the podcast a lot because I I heard it early in my conversion. It was from, uh, Ratzinger. Um, but now this would have been after he was Pope Benedict the 16th, but, um, he said that the church exists to do three things, right? It, it exists to, to worship, to evangelize, and to serve the poor. And all of a sudden in these groups, I saw a heart to serve the poor and a heart to worship. Mm-hmm. And then there was another group on campus that I became affiliated with that had this desire to evangelize. And I was like, all of these pieces are needed. <laughs> but, but the thing is that, that they will never get to where they're supposed to be if they stay absent each other. So anyway, I would say that it came from my upbringing and yeah. then, and then quickly after the Lord really just, um, I don't know, <laughs> encountered me, changed into how can I bring this yeah. way of seeing the world into the church? And there's, there's such a, there's such an integral tendency in the
1: human heart as, as In the human mind right to to want to divide in order to explain yes um and you know it's the it's the basis for the scientific method that Mm -hmm. that we want to we want to be able to explain the differences in order to to find our place yeah to find where we fit and yeah i mean as as you're describing this of course i i can see the the many ways that that i've been affected by this and I, I suppose there, there may be some who are listening who, uh, outside of the context of ministry, right? If, you know, if your experience of Catholicism listening to the show has, has been my parish. Yeah, sure. Right. Sure. It, it may be possible that, that you've, that you've not experienced sort of the, the struggle of this type of division. Yeah. Good point. But, um, Certainly, certainly, it does exist, and, and yeah. when it's not manifested as judgment or division, usually the the words that we tend to use yeah. are style. That's right, right, or preference. Yeah, that uh, you know, yeah, I've 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 heard of the way that other people do this thing, but that, yeah, that's that's not my preference. That's not my style. That's that's not my thing.
0: Yeah, in other words, that's not what my personality would tend towards. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather not integrate. And I do think that that's where, of course, God's perfect. Yeah. Like, like, why, why does God give us two seemingly incompatible universal calls? Where if one's <laughs> holiness for the upbuilding of self, really, like, to to be totally other, totally conformed to Christ in my person, but also to conform the world to Him, it, it's so that I can never have a default. Outside of him, mm-hmm. right? Because my personality, Aaron, and you know this, it tends towards <laughs> I'm gonna talk to everyone about the thing that's on my mind, right? And other this people, and other this people are gonna have a personality type that's like, I tend to enter into an environment, listen the whole time, very seldom speak. I love, I love reading for hours on end, and social interaction isn't my primary way of getting life. That that's okay to have those personalities because I think God's saying, Hey, I'm gonna give you a personality that's gonna tend towards one of these. And the reason I give two is so that you have to kind of work towards the other. Yeah. Like almost always the Lord in the both and gives us a place where we have to yeah. stretch ourselves.
1: I I love that phrase, uh, the statement that you just made. And um, I'm going to give you both so that you have to work toward the other. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and I, I feel like, I don't know that that might be the simple solution that so many people are looking for that, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, the, the whole the whole charismatic expression thing is not my style. That's okay. Yeah. You just have to work for it. That's right. Right. Or, or, you know, the whole silent, this whole silent adoration thing. It's not, it's not my style. That's That's okay. You just have, you have to do it.
0: That's right. Because both like, um, (laughs) like silent devotional prayer. Yeah. And praise are, are non-negotiables, but they're, they're both needed in my life yeah but those have personality sets that tend towards the two uh-huh. but for me to rest on my laurels and say my personality type is now my spirituality yeah. totally diminishes the Lord's ability to stretch me and and actually like increase my capacity to do more <laughs> things beautiful. in the world and not
1: only ability, I would say but design
0: yes, right right so, yes, to be more as I was created to be yeah. well, we're also a composite like think about like, Body and soul. Mm-hmm. There's even sometimes like a felt tension in that. That should I go work out at the gym or should I take a holy hour? Right. The the answer to that is not necessarily one or the other at yeah. any given time. Yeah. Right. Because I'm actually called to steward both my body and my soul. Cause I'm a composite of these two things, both of which are integrated mm-hmm. in order for me to be a person. Yeah. Right. In the same way with the church. Like if holiness and mission are integrated, we're not the church. And and I think that the reason that I get so passionate about speaking on what the church said in Lumen Gentium is because these two calls, we can then take the principles we learn by the wedding of these two calls into all of these stratas, into the charismatic traditional perceived divide, yep. into the Protestant and Catholic perceived divide. Like like there there are so many things. And again, I'm not saying that these people sometimes don't actually disagree on things. Mm-hmm. But I'm wanting to set that aside just for a minute because once we get the heart of unity, then we can discuss the exceptions that we disagree with, right? Yep. But but when we go into disagreement first before yeah. accepting unity, then there's there's something to that that just throws us off. And we just continue to kind of push ourselves farther into our camp. Yeah.
1: Before we go any deeper into that, I yeah. wonder, are, are there any practical applications to that? Um, yeah. That that you've got to pursue unity before, yeah, before distinction. I think
0: I think so. And you've taught me a lot about this. So I'd wonder what you think, because I'm I'm kind of speaking as you are I, I
1: I kind of want to say something, but I'm going to <laughs> yeah, wait until you do first. Yeah, yeah. I asked yeah. the question knowing that. Yeah, way. yeah,
0: yeah. No, I want you to <laughs> because well, the reason I say that, Aaron, is I think that it's something that you yeah. do, you do really well. I think there are there are times when you and I have had disagreements with the way to go about teaching or the way to go about um. I don't know, a a theological concept or something. It seems that you have developed over over time and have taught me, and I've been trying to develop it more and more, an ability to try to fully understand what the other is saying before you come with your preconceived notion of what they're saying. Mm. This has actually worked in my marriage with Nina, interestingly enough. And, oh, you're and, welcome. And she knows, yeah. yeah, And she, and, uh, and she, she, I, I didn't make she it She knows, up. no, no, no. But, um, <laughs> but there's actually a, a principle that's similar to, to what you were teaching me in that, Aaron, that, uh, that I learned from um, Jordan Peterson, who's a psychologist. Yeah, I taught him. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. Me too. He (laughs) learned everything he knows from me. Um, But he, uh, I think he even gets it from Carl Rogers, who is a previous psychologist. But regardless, (laughs) wherever this comes from originally, um, when Nina and I are having a discussion, sometimes uh, I've realized in she and I's tendencies, I tend to start with premises that lead to a conclusion. Yeah. She tends to start with all of the thoughts she has working towards a premise, but when she starts sometimes, I'm like, that's not a premise because I don't think that's true. So I'll stop her and she'll be like, you never let me finish. <laughs> and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but I'm like, no, I'm I'm just trying to help you get the right premise. Yeah. And she's like, no, I need to share all my thoughts so we can get that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's just not how I work. So I've decided kind of, again, through this um, Jordan Peterson example, and, and then I'll bring it back to you to kind of speak to how we can have a heart for unity before we dive into disagreement. Um, I have made this like conscious decision where now I let Nina speak everything she wants to speak. Mm -hmm. Once she's finished, I then then try to paraphrase back to her what she just said. And I ask her if that's in fact what she said. Oftentimes she'll be like, no, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) And then we'll we'll do this (laughs) dance, right? Where, and I think it's appropriate to think dance too, but we'll do this dance where she eventually Uh gets me to a place where I'm able to paraphrase back to her what she's trying to say and then what i can do is actually see if i still disagree with that yeah. and if i do then we can have a real dialogue because i understand genuinely mm-hmm. what she's trying to say and, and and that's like like classic relationship 101 but we don't want a straw man or come yeah. in with a preconceived notion that dominates the other person and yeah. me speaking this reality with nina is just saying that i have a proclivity to do that at times yeah. and I've had to work to not do that. So yeah. that'd be one thing I say is don't come in with a preconceived notion. Come in with a desire to understand, so that we can work from there.
1: That's that's good. Uh, that's that's yeah, that's fantastic. I, I would say maybe just even as an addendum to that, yeah, that uh, your demeanor mm-hmm. is going to be your biggest litmus test for whether you've actually considered that, mm-hmm. right. When when I when I hear myself or someone else speak, yeah. the the dead giveaway for the fact that I'm being driven toward a desire for division and not unity is when my motivation is coming from a place of uh, frustration or offense. That's really or good. or anger, right? Yeah, anger, right. frustration, offense. Like, uh, there you know, there's there's so many times that I've 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 been sent like a YouTube link for a talk. Oh my gosh, this will change. This will change yeah, your whole perspective sure. on this thing. And I, I, I press play and within 10 seconds, it's evident to me that this individual is being driven and motivated by anger and frustration and an uh, and offense, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's a recipe for, for isolation. Right. So if, like, if, if you sense that in your heart mm-hmm. or if you sense that in the course of conversation, yeah. odds are there's no path forward. So, yeah. like it's, yeah. it's, so it's time to check your heart so right. that we can come from a place of, okay, am I, am I actually motivated by love here? And mm-hmm. then usually, usually the answer to that question first is like, yes, of course I'm motivated by love.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to right, love this right, person right. out it's of their ignorance. Right. Yeah, right, 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 Yeah. It's like, I no, hear what no, you're no, saying. No, no.
1: Yeah, it, do, like, do I actually desire for the best outcome here? Yeah. Am, mm-hmm. am I motivated by a desire not to make you look like a fool? Yeah, right. But to come to a place of, of sincere unity of heart?
0: Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I, I even wrestle with it as we're saying it because it's not, it's not my natural disposition. And I think that comes from a lot of the, the, um, I I think just environments that I found myself in over time where like it, it was to win, like the goal was to win and, and to not come in strong, prolonged the possibility of losing. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was an uncomfortable place for me to be. And, and what's been really interesting is how the Lord has allowed me to keep some of the things he developed out of that because God's always good. So like, you know, my, my mind will think really fast. And that came originally from a defensive place. But now my mind can think really fast and I can use it to actually celebrate the person who's bringing up a different idea because I have an idea on it that I can invite them to take ownership of. Yeah, but I don't do that perfectly well, and I think that's another reason why I think I have such a heart for unity, is because it breaks my heart when I operate defensively in a way that causes division, like, and I think that that's the heart of God. I, I really do. Like, and it's an aspect of His heart that I, I, I see myself have for myself. Right, like when I'm doing my examine at the end of my day, if we're in a meeting here at Damascus and. I have presented something that I see that I think is handled in a way that presumes my own ignorance or my, um, I don't know, um, presumes something about my process or something like that. I will recognize that in that conversation, I got defensive. I didn't let the other person finish. I dominated and I used the skill sets I had to bury them. When I reflect on that, my heart, of course, like, is hurt for the person, but it's hurt for me too. Because there actually could have been a real conversation had there. Yeah. Because maybe that person does need to work on not presuming that. I'm not mm-hmm. even saying, I don't know a specific example that I'm even talking about, but th- there's a possibility of a real conversation if I could just stay in it. Yep. Right? And and that's what I see so often in this um, holiness and mission in these, any kind of these uh, two sides of a given issue in the the church is that we can often think to ourselves like I I can actually like wed myself to the ideology of this, mm-hmm. know my points have no regard for other points because they're, they're true and yeah. just drive them forward. But, but there is something about us that, that becomes rigid. And I, I would say just becomes unfree and unalive. And I do think part of that is what can oftentimes be not attractive about our faith. they like, I do think that in the Catholic church rests the fullness of truth. I do think that the, the tradition and the scriptures come together to give us every answer to everything that's faced on planet Earth. I really do. And when I go into a conversation, I still think that, but what I try to do as best as I can is get to a place where we can have legitimate dialogue because what, I, what I've realized in my own life is if that person brings, which is very seldom the case, absolutely nothing of apparent value that I can add to my perception of things, yeah. I at least then recognize how some people see the world. Mm-hmm. And that would be in the like rarest scenario where the person isn't actually adding value. Almost always they bring a a concept that I'm like, I think that's right. Yeah. You know, even even friends of mine who have agnostic beliefs or things like that will sit down and they'll say something to the effect of, well, uh, well, the problem with evil. They'll bring up the problem with evil. And all of a sudden I'm like, no, that that, yes, I'm brokenhearted for that too. I'm broken. I just don't think there's a better solution to that problem than God. I don't think he's to blame for it. I think he's the Mm -hmm. solution to it. And then all of a sudden you have a A really cool conversation if you can stay in a place where you're not being defensive and you're not being domineering. And so I would say the same thing about um, all of the disagreements in the church, where that comes into holiness and mission is if you are the type of person who tends to prescribe to others a spirituality that is yours and call that complete. You're probably not complete, hmm. right? Because what I'll tend to do is say, mission has to look like this because it's what it looks like for me." Yep. And if it has to look like it looks for me, then I'm affirmed about something, right? Yep. Or this is how holiness has to look, because this is how it looks for me, and if it doesn't look like that for you, then I'd have to question if I'm doing it. Yeah but what's beautiful is that like holiness and mission because they pers- um, because they can't always be pursued simultaneously. Um, even though one certainly feeds the other. Like there's this, there's this opportunity for me in any given moment to recognize, Lord, am I, am I right now called to commune with you individually for the upbuilding of my soul and for the conversion of me? Or am I called right now to step into this retreat mm-hmm. talk that you're offering me for the conversion of of, of primarily for the people that I'm speaking to by your grace, Lord. But of course, that will also convert me. And of course, if I do this, that'll help me later bring conversion to the world. So they're not mutually exclusive. I don't want to create that false dichotomy. I do just think that on a practical level, because we are in space and time, there are decisions to be made at a given time. Um, And there's a time for silent adoration. There's a time for praise and worship. In in the same way with holiness and mission, there's a time for a holy hour. And there's a time to love my wife. Yep. Right. And and I'm not saying that either of those is hierarchically ordered from yeah. the other. But, uh,
1: so I've I've been um, I'm, you know, I work as one of the directors here at Damascus, and I I've been a part. I've been I've lived in that role for the last seven years here, and Catholic summer camp before that. So, when you speak about this. Uh, this sense and this presence of division, particularly in in regard to holiness and mission, like I can think of um, dozens of conversations that I've had over the years where someone has come to me mm-hmm. typically uh, and been, you know, expressed criticism toward the way that we express the Catholic faith at Damascus. Yeah. And those have been opportunities for me to, n- number one, to receive and introspect and improve. Sure. Um, Number two, to help to explain and educate maybe, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but ideally to move, you know, to move toward a place of, of better um, incorporation and better diversity of expression um, internally here and within these programs. Uh, You know, the, the spiritual charism of Damascus as an organization, uh, I guess maybe for those of you who are listening for the first time, we don't even know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. we're a we're a missionary movement here in Central Ohio. We've got uh, regional campuses um, that that offer summer camp ministry in Michigan and the Northwoods in Minnesota. We've got a we've got a, mm-hmm. a mission hub in Minnesota, and all of this is really driven by our missionary program that exists here. Yeah, our, our primary outreach is to middle school and high school kids, mm-hmm. and the the way that we do that, the way that we express that, is through a particular you know, expression of spiritual life that is as closely oriented as we can come up with to the heart of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, embracing those uh those those charismatic and hierarchical realities of, yeah, sure. of trying to live the truth, of you know, breathing with both lungs. Um Brad, I'm curious, in your own experience in in being present on campuses and recruiting and in and, and speaking with young people in your role as missionary program director, uh, how have you seen this manifest, this reality of division mm-hmm. manifest? Um, and maybe what are some of the traps that
0: that mm-hmm. individuals are falling into? Yeah, well, it might be good for us. Just I'm thinking as we're discussing for those listening to maybe um, just spell out what I'm meaning when I say holiness and what I'm meaning when I say mission. So like when the church is saying that we have these two universal calls, one, the universal call to holiness. I alluded to this a little bit at the beginning, yeah. but it, it's, it's a call to be set apart. It's a call to be a... a a a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people unto God's own, right? And and it's, it's primarily lived out in the vehicle of the church, right? That the Lord has called us to be his body, his family, right? He's called us to be set apart, Mm -hmm. a, a bulwark against the, the workings of the world, the flesh and the devil. And simultaneously he has called us to mission, to be sent, to be sent into the world for the conversion of it, mm-hmm. to be sent into the world for the redemption of souls. And the reason that I'm speaking to the unity of these two is in my own life, whenever I've had a more regular life of daily devotion and personal prayer, my mission has always been more fruitful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in, in mission, whenever I've had mission that is fruitful or unfruitful when I'm out on it it drives me back towards prayer which again comes into this encounter and mission thing we talk about on the podcast all the time but to to answer your question about the campuses i i think that what i what i see i think too often is an overemphasis on one and um and by nature of the overemphasis on the one um eh, We'll say uh, just a void in the other. So like when you go to a college campus and you, it, usually, it usually takes the shape of either the priest religious order or campus minister on site, right? And all of them have beautiful charisms and that's great. But, but oftentimes if they have a personality type that'll tend towards one thing, people will swell around it. Yeah, And what I think we always have to be cognizant of, especially us that are leaders in the church, is that we have a natural tilt and a natural tendency that's good and needs to be lived out in the world. And at the same time, we need to widen our tent posts and make sure that we're covering the spectrum. So um, I'll use the example I was giving earlier that sometimes you'll go to a, a, a Newman Center or a campus ministry and they'll be doing phenomenal work with the poor. Mm -hmm. They'll be doing phenomenal spring break trips where they go to Trenton, New Jersey and work on doing resumes for previously incarcerated people, right? They'll be doing um, trips to Mexico for work in the trash dumps, right? Like these amazing things that the church absolutely needs to be doing, right? These deep missional aspects, because I think mission can best be, you know, uh, defined as like um, share and serve, Again, it's, it's oversimplistic, but sharing the gospel, serving uh, the, the people of the world and the people of the church. And like, they'll be so oriented towards mission in the area of service. And sometimes they'll be so oriented towards um, mission and sharing the gospel. Like they'll have these amazing worship nights mm-hmm. where people come for adoration and praise and worship. And they'll have a message that's really convicting. But what you won't see is is like, uh, a, a call to a personal prayer life where that is the event of my faith that week mm-hmm. and mass, right? Or you'll see all these service trips. And then on the other end, sometimes you'll see, well, all we need here are the sacraments and to encourage people to pray every day. If, if those two things happen, then we'll be set. And And again, it's not It's subtle. It's not like that's spoken from the front, which is why I wanted to take time on the podcast today to talk about it. It's because we fall into defaults. We fall into tendencies and and we tend not to want to open to the side that's more uncomfortable for us, right? Like if I'm a more like um, introverted personality, sometimes that idea of being bold and mission out in the world, I don't even know where to start with that. And some of some of the more extroverted people, when it comes to taking prayer for thirty minutes to an hour every day, mm-hmm. I have no idea where to start with that. but But here's the thing: because we have the other, we can learn from the other. And so, if I find in myself an insufficiency in one aspect or another, I would say this for a campus minister that's listening today. I would say this for any place or a postulate that's trying to figure out how to widen the post to bring the whole church in. We have to look at what's my tendency what's the other side of that tendency and how can I, how can I allow for both to live and breathe? Right. And we do that at Damascus all the time. That's yeah. That's, that's beautiful. And I, I I would, uh, I
1: think there's a way of looking at that reality critically and also a way of looking at it to see like many people orient themselves in that direction with a lot of positive energy as well. No, definitely. Definitely. So, so like, (laughs) and uh, it's great. I mean, we have a, we have a new priest who's helping out here at Damascus and I had, yeah. I just had some great interaction with him a couple, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, father William, he, uh, he was, he was sharing about just the, his, his love for the tradition of the church and, yeah. and the traditional liturgy, uh, and the Latin mass and, and a lot mm-hmm. of the, the beautiful components of liturgical practice. And, Mm-hmm. To to hear the way that he spoke, not not from a place of division, no, but from sure. a place of like true and authentic love. Yes, bless the Lord like, for that. Um, th- this is a this is a a beautiful expression. Yes, of uh, of a desire to to hold those aspects of of, yeah. of s- sacred of holiness, right? Yes, right. And uh, and at the same time, you know, uh. A lot of times, our our formation here at Damascus is actually oriented specifically to call people into uh, the beauty of the charismatic expression. Yeah, precisely because of the fact that they've not received that formation anywhere else. Yes, that's so, right. So because of a lack, we are accommodating through a, an increased exposure to an expression mm-hmm.
0: of the beauty. Yeah, well, and let me be really specific here too. I'm I'm not challenging the listeners today, or you and I, Aaron to change, but to connect, Good, right? That like, like I, I am going to be extroverted and I'm going to have a missional call in my life that matches the personality, skill set, and everything Love else that, that God's Love given that. me. Yeah. I don't want to change that, but I, I want to connect with this aspect that's not as um, natural to me. Yeah. And it's been amazing. The friendships I have that are some of the deepest are exactly those type, where it's someone mm-hmm. that comes in that has this profoundly intimate prayer life. Yeah. Where, where they can just sit in prayer for hours. I struggle with my personal prayer devotion every day. Right. And that's just an honest thing because my heart is always like reading a scripture and I'm like, oh, that could be a book. That could be a talk. I could go tell this person that does everyone know this? I, I hope everyone knows this. Like that's, <laughs> that's my impetus and that's my impulse. I don't want to change that about me. Yeah. I simply want to connect that To someone else I can appreciate and then begin to see the church in action where maybe my zeal there gets into them a little bit and and their stability, steadiness, uh, consistency gets into me a little bit because when we connect those things, it becomes really beautiful. And that's why the church has given us these universal calls because there's going to be people that champion the call to mission and they should champion it, but they shouldn't lose the fact that they need a co-champion championing. Hey, yes. And while you're out on mission, make sure you're yeah. still praying and make yep. sure the sacraments still matter and make sure you're still under the aegis of the church and make sure like, yeah. both of those voices are really good, right? That's beautiful. Because um, they balance and yeah. they, they
1: Um, Gosh, I, I'd, uh, that, that's one of the reasons why I love, I love our community here at Damascus. Me too.
0: Yeah, I um, was thinking the same thing. You
1: know, we're, we're two weeks away from welcoming 200 and, you know, I guess three hundred missionaries yeah. who are going to be coming and joining on this campus for a couple it was weeks 310, training.
0: Ten, the last time I checked, yeah.
1: And uh, I, I love our equip conference every year because that's the time where you see all of those beautiful expressions that's come right. out. Yeah, and uh, and there's this there's this amazing tension as it, it happens every year where mm-hmm. we learn that walk together. Right. You know, you have a you have a contingent of people who come into our campus who. Are deeply steeped in the in the beauty and tradition mm. of of that pursuit of holiness. Yes. and you have others that are coming in who who aren't. And mm-hmm. uh, there's like this, you know, because we're all motivated by love and a constant and unified uh, mission and desire. Yeah. Um. There's almost this this wrestle that inevitably happens two or three days in mm-hmm. where you kind of get some head scratching and people asking like, "Hey, are we supposed to argue about this?" <laughs>
0: yeah, right, right. And the answer No, that's
1: true. Yeah, we we don't have to. No.
0: No, we <laughs> actually don't. Well, and 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 even if we do, like <laughs> like we can allow it to actually lead to awe and not to frustration, like you yeah. said that there there are times when we have missionaries that come here and they have a perspective on something and they'll present something to me differently and I'll be like that's amazing because the responsibility you and I yeah. have as leaders in the church and and as leaders of this community in a very real way our responsibility is to connect them to the charisms that we think God's pouring out on this community and not to turn them into Aaron and Brad. Yeah. So there's like it, it, that's delicate. There's a, there's a, there, like, and, and that's, that's our call in the church too. So again, that's why Dan wasn't yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah, right, yeah. But, but for those listening today, like, I think like, how, how does this relate to your life? Cause maybe you're like, I, I holiness and mission. I'm not involved in church work. I, I see how that could be a division. It can also be a division in our, in our own, like, Homes, it can be a division in our own hearts. And so I think that one thing that's really good for every family to do is to ask themselves, how are we growing in holiness mm-hmm. this month? How are we growing in mission this month? Yeah. Right. Are we praying a, a rosary once a week together? Beautiful. That yeah. that's a way to be set apart, isn't it? Like are we, are we, um, are we discussing the scriptures that are going to come up on Sunday when we go to mass together during meal times or something like that? Great. That's that's set apart. Not everyone's doing that. That that's that's good. That's that's fulfilling us in a way that we should be to be a people unto God. God's own, um, and and then mission, right? Like, um, are are we are we serving together, or are we sharing together, right? So, yeah. like, are are we sharing our faith with others? Maybe we're doing that by participating at something at the parish um, or something else. Are we serving, right? Because those are the, the these two kind of legs that mission stands on. When we when we start asking those questions, I think it'll be really obvious to us. At least it is for me. If the ones listening are uh, already more balanced than I am, praise God for that. But um, I, it's really clear where we tend. Yeah. It's really clear like, oh, I'm doing, I'm growing in this by default yep. almost. Yep. But this, I don't even know what kind of goal I want to set there. Mm-hmm. That's really good because when we're aware of that, then we open ourselves. And yep. then once we become in ourselves open to those, it almost imparts to those that come into conversation with us permission to do the same. right? If I'm actually open to an argument, let's say, that's different than mine, and then I present mine, my openness, I think, in a very real way, imparts something when I'm not getting defensive. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this. If you're ever in an argument with someone that you love and you're getting defensive, all of a sudden their defenses come up because that imparts the other. But if you're purposely… Keeping defenses at bay, yeah. You you'll see the same, yeah. Ah, oh, that's beautiful.
1: Um, I, I you know I see this I see this like I said play out every day here at Damascus, and it's it's something that you again to hearken back to the I think the word that you shared at the start of the show. Uh, it's something that you have to do intentionally, right? And um and how 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 good is that? Because mm-hmm. because yeah, the the stuff that I'm that I'm not necessarily naturally inclined toward. Yeah, is uh, those those are the muscles that that the Lord wants to invite you to learn about yourself through?
0: Yeah, it definitely is. Well, I, I've uh, I've become fascinated with personality things, and uh, this will tie into what we're saying here. And and you, which you, one? You don't have to the Big Five personality okay, openness, okay. conscientiousness, extraversion, agreeableness. Did you, did you know
1: that I was trained in Strength Finders?
0: <laughs> no way. Yeah,
1: I actually like that too. Yeah, for, <laughs> they're, they're very similar. They are. They
0: are. But um, but yeah. So the like the Big Five um ocean right. That's the like. E- O-C-E-A-N, ocean, <laughs> openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. Um, what's fascinating to me is when I look at, um, and w- well, first of all, psychology comes from the words meaning the study of the soul. So there's something to that. Um, but- all <laughs> oh, well, sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the reason I'm even bringing that up is because when I look at those, so if, if someone tests and their personality comes out, Um, they're putting in information and it's telling you this person tends towards this. When you see that, you're like, huh, it's been funny for me that in in the church today, when I see someone and can kind of configure the personality type Mm -hmm. they have, if I find them wetting themselves to an orderliness and a structure that is unequivocable, it's like, just make sure you're not simply defaulting to comfort. Yep. Right. And the same thing on the other side, if it's someone that's super open to experience and is like, everything's a, um, I don't know, a new horizon, just don't, just make sure you're not defaulting to comfort mm-hmm. because we can both rest on our laurels and build a theology around that, which makes us comfortable. That's beautiful. But I don't want to build a theology around that, which makes me comfortable. I want to build a theology around that, which is true. And I know that in myself, I don't contain the fullness of truth. I know that the fullness of truth was given to a body of people. Mm. It was given to a church, right? It was given to people that, that are similar to me and to people that are different than Good. me. And when we can come together again and open that up, we get back to the premise, which is, I think we um, where we can maybe, uh, land before final comments is to, to oneness and wholeness. Uh-huh. That is what God wants. And, and, and oneness is not uniformity to you and me. It's what I was talking about when those missionaries come. Like it is false oneness if we just indoctrinated them into everything Brad and Aaron are. Yeah. It would be boring too. Real oneness is we're all coming in and we've made connection. Yep. That, that, we, that we're under this, this beautiful tent of the church and we've, we've found connection. And if we can get to that, I really do think that that's what will bring the church in the Western world to thrive and anything short of that, it's going to look like a political divide. It's going to look like a sociological divide. It's going to look like every other divide, unless we're like the thing that sets us apart is connection. It's oneness and wholeness. Cause that's what God's had. That's, that's what will show us to be different than the world. That's beautiful. Yeah.
1: I I think, you know, my reflections on, on this conversation today are, are that, this is wrapped up in the, in the fact that like your authority to influence the world, it comes from that place of, of your desire to connect, right? Your desire to be in relationship. Yeah. So outside of that, right? You could, you could be right, but not make an impact. Yes. And, and the role of Catholicism, uh, again, to, to quote, quote father William is, uh, is is not to be a religion so much as it is to be a a world changing movement, and uh, it's it's pivotal that we embrace this. Why? Because because this isn't just about me, and it's not about me being comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's about me stretching and building those muscles. Why? Because I want to be strong. No, because you've got a job to do, mm-hmm. and that job is to go and to gather and to seek and to save the lost. That's right. And that can only be accomplished if if you know, you can be all things to all people. If you can if you can reach across and you can express that fullness of God's heart.
0: That's right. Yeah, here's the take home point, right? That we're all called to be set apart and we're all called to be sent. We're all called to build a life that's different. And we're all called to assimilate in the world so as to bring it closer to that which is different. Mm-hmm. Those all seem incompatible unless God has a grace-filled way of connecting us internally and externally with the church and with our own mind, body, and souls. Like, the Lord wants to set us apart, and he wants to send us, and he doesn't want us to feel like we have to wed ourselves to one being the only call in our life. Yeah. He wants to bring adventure through the one that we don't know. And he wants to bring stability through the one that we do know. Yep. And if we're somewhere in the middle, let's continue to stretch ourselves on both both fronts in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools. And, and I really do think the church yeah. will thrive.
1: Uh, that's awesome. Praise yeah. the Lord. Well, our, our our prayer is that that would, uh, that would continue to um, resound in our hearts, both here at Damascus and as everybody listening to today's show, Um, And that Jesus, you would accomplish that in us, stretch us out of our comfort zones and allow us to come into a place of realizing that Lord, there's more. You offer us more. You challenge us with that invitation to more uh, because you expect it of us because we need it and you need it. Um, Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Friends, thank you for joining us today on Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. We're going to do this whole thing again next week, and we hope that you'll join us then too. Um, I I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors at St. Gabriel Radio, who have really gone out of their way to make this show and this place possible. And uh, I'd love to invite you to join us in partnership as well. How can you bless this show? You can like, you can subscribe, you can comment, you can share. this stuff is uh, I don't know maybe this is just for me and you sure. <laughs> I'm glad we hung out today <laughs> <Me too. laughs> but our, our hope is that this would bless would bless you and would bless mm-hmm. somebody else who you think maybe this has been on their mind as well or maybe if you've uh, if you've sensed this kind of tension but have uh, lacked the ability to bring it up in conversation mm-hmm. this could be a first step toward coming together in friendship and in, in charity mm-hmm. all right hey we pray for you um, and Uh, We will look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.